4: Jason just blasted. I can't hear anything. <laughs> he thought he was turning up his own earpiece volume. Instead, uh, he just yeah. cranked. Bold.
0: <laughs> by, the, by the way, I I would rather. I think I don't mean to be callous, but so I'm just joking. But I think I'd rather be deaf than have to listen to another Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski press conference. Torture. And it's not oh. because I don't like those guys. You know, I'm not trying to get them fired. But they're so they come from the, you know, the nerd school of talking. They they're to the point where. Even a basic question, which you could answer and not give anything away, they're so scared to give anything away that they just talk in nonsense, really. You know
4: who do, who we have to blame for all of this is Belichick. I mean, isn't he the, well, the, the grandfather of – not His saying lips anything. are moving, but he's not saying anything. Yep. His
1: lips barely move. He, he gives know. like five yeah. word sentences, yeah, yeah. and that's it. He
4: has to remind himself before every answer how much he hates the media. Yeah, and then he engages. Man. But it was tough. They didn't say a damn thing. It, they couldn't even they couldn't even give us like
3: tangible like objectives that they wanted to work on. Like they just were like, yeah, we really we got to put the work in. You're like, that's a pre requisite.
0: Everything Every everything's and other teams do most teams do say a lot of the same stuff anyway,
4: but at least answer like the obvious questions. D- to that point in yours G to me. Yeah, it leaves fans asking this question. Do they know that there's a problem
3: that yeah. Oh, they, they know they know.
4: Okay. If they know what's this very first step to fixing a problem admitting you have one. admitting there's a problem when you have a fan base that's in the millions. I think it's safe to say the Browns fan base is in the millions. It's not just here in Northeast Ohio. It's it's worldwide. Yeah, sure. What I want to hear as a fan who spends countless hours and money on my fandom, I want to know that the entity in which I believe understands that there is a big problem. And when you watch these glossed-over news conferences, my end-of-the-day takeaway was... Are they aware that things are broken? Or do they
1: care? I actually thought the best answer Andrew gave, and he's so soft-spoken. In the room, it's actually hard to hear him because i was sitting like the third row (laughs) or whatever. But he said, like, we didn't have the right mix defensively. And they, they had a lot of discipline issues, and they admitted it. Like, he said it. Like, we don't have the right mix of run guys. You from that. I you mean, we but, knew
4: that before they broke camp.
1: But they acknowledged it. Like, they acknowledged we didn't have the right mix, and we had discipline issues, and we got to fix that. So,
4: that was their sort of big mea culpa. Yeah. I, th-
0: I
1: think well, so. Well, I
4: thought something that was interesting,
0: even though I – was he wouldn't say whether whether is going to be back. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't – Because you think he's definitely going to be back. I thought he was definitely going to be back. Well, but then I, why wouldn't
4: he say it? It made me wonder this. Has the decision been made?
1: Well, if you're going to fire him, you're going to fire him when you fire Joe. You fire him at the same time. But,
4: but see, I I don't necessarily agree with that because at the end of the year when these coaches take inventory, perhaps it was obvious to all who were watching the defense has to go in a different direction. I mean, everybody knew that. We were saying in week six that he'll he'll never coach here next year. So that, to me, was obvious. You don't really need to dig deep into the weeds perhaps with with the other coaches and all of these other decisions that they'll be making personnel-wise, they want to take a little more time, dive deeper into all things special teams, and then make a decision. Because I'm with you. I I thought that, well, if he wasn't fired with Woods, he's safe. But then after listening to them talk, I kind of got the impression that, hell, maybe – this decision is fluid and they haven't made it yet. It is possible. I just don't know
1: what else you would look at. Like you have 17 weeks of evidence. You have three years now of proof. You know, if you want, if you want him here or not, you know, if if he's doing a good job or not in your mind. See when when, at first, when he said, I haven't had a chance to talk to all the coaches yet and everything. I'm not going to get into it. I thought he meant the defensive staff because there's probably some guys that they like, and they want to keep and there's some guys that said
0: that he said there were guys they wanted to keep And the,
1: the new coordinator is going to have final say, you would yeah. think, or have a loud voice, I should say. Right. And who stays and who goes. But he may and,
4: want to bring in his own guys. Absolutely. Sure, and they usually absolutely.
1: Do. Yeah. And so like those conversations they have to work through and that's a work in progress. But then I think it was Nate Ulrich asked him directly about Prefer and He didn't answer it. And I thought, well, that's a little that's. To me, if he's not, if he's still here, he's going to be here. If he was going to be fired, he would have been fired by now. I'm
4: glad you brought up Nate. His piece was interesting to me. He made some points that sort of now with the global view, we've made throughout the course of the season, but one of the things that he really touched on in his piece was, if you look at the superstars on this team, we, we all know who they are. They're Chubb, Garrett, Watson has to be in that group. I would even put Amari Cooper in that group. He had a great Betonio. year, and Betonio. Those five guys. Denzel Ward, and Denzel Ward. Yeah. You're right. Those six guys are the same guy, personality-wise. They're quiet. They're soft-spoken. Watson himself said, "I consider myself a shy person." None of these guys are lead by voice. And that, to me, what, when I read Nate's kind of conclusion that that's what you know, that that's what he sees is what's going on, it led me to believe that well, yeah, they, this is an, a perfect example of a team mirroring the personality of its head coach. And I'm wondering if the construction of this team is flawed from jump because who's the alpha? Well, we were Jason and I were talking
0: before the show about the fact that. You know, um, if your leaders are not, or if your best players are not leaders.
4: And, and we just named the six best players, right? and none of them are what you would call leaders. Maybe Joel Batonio might be the closest to that. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, But none of them are guys that you would look at and say, look at that player lead. I mean, Batonio
0: and Ward, I think, are a little more outgoing than those other guys. Gosh, you do? I, a little bit. I
4: think, Batonio, but Tonyo, but You know Ward's
1: the most church mouth, the most vocal guy on that team was probably Jadavian, and not in a good way.
4: Yeah, but he was no. the
1: guy with the biggest mouth.
4: Well, and Perry on Winfrey. Remember and Winfrey. when, when yeah. Winfrey, and Winfrey came Winfrey. in? We thought, okay, that right. might be an alpha. Yeah, no, uh, but you got Your play has to match that yeah. level. You can't well, be. You can't be immature. Yeah, you can't be doing things that are getting you suspended, or yeah. you know. I don't know, guys. I I just think that the construction of this team, they lack that clear flag-carrying field general that so many of the great teams have had through the years?
3: I just don't think, philosophically speaking, I'm I'm a firm believer in this. You cannot play football passively. You could have a couple people on your team that are even killed. Maybe even if your quarterback's even killed, because he can't be going. He's not hitting nobody. He needs to think clearly and fast, and and, and get the ball and spread and not be up too uh, too high or too cold. You know, Baker is one of those guys that was hot, running high or cold, and that doesn't work either. But I'm a firm believer that your rest of your guys, if you don't have that mentality, you'll happen what you'll, you'll you'll happen what happened with the Steelers last week. Mike Tomlin beat them by himself. Just him walking on the sideline telling people, no, we going to get them.
4: I, I, this, this, well, Dan people. Campbell, we talked about Dan Campbell's comment before the Sunday night game. Melissa Stark said, what's your motivation? You can't make the playoffs. He goes, I don't want them to go. Yeah, I love that. But I love that. But
1: I would not categorize Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett as passive players. They no. are ferocious. Just because they, they play don't say ferocious. a lot. Yeah, just because they don't say a lot off the field doesn't mean and, – and Miles actually likes having his voice heard. He likes having his name in headlines and, yeah, he and being out there. He's not – he may not be a rah-rah-in-your-face screamer, but just because these guys don't say a lot vocally and loud doesn't mean they're not nasty on the field, I, do you I think, think they are.
4: All oh, you guys, do you think that every team needs a Ray Lewis? <laughs> if you want to be good. I think you do. I, do I
0: think do. you do. I, the Browns don't have that kind of player. And they've they never need- had – they've never – I argue on defense, they've
4: never – had that player. I'm ever. trying to think of like Lyle Alzado, that goes way back way into the seventies. Yeah. Lyle Alzado would fit that bill. But you know what? You're right, G that I I mean, I can't really think I actually think DeQuell played with that kind of attitude back in the day, but
0: the team was so bad around him that it just yeah. didn't
3: matter. And he played in a passive scheme. I mean, he had it was
0: like him and Joe Hayden and that was all they had on defense. If you, you think know?
3: if you think about the teams But no, they don't have Not th- Ray Lewis. This is, have, this is what we're going up against, right? For for the majority of my life, I've seen my good Boy Scout Cleveland Browns play the Baltimore Ravens with a Nada, nasty Ray Lewis. Disgustingly nasty Steelers too. Uh, Ed Reed, the Steelers Troy always Palomalo, uh James Harrison, Joey Porter, yeah. uh, Antonio Brown, <coughs> these dudes
4: are, and now T.J. Watt, and now T.J. These and dudes Hayward.
3: bring it, and make
0: a Fitzpatrick. And those
4: are the teams in our division that have had the most success, sustained yeah. and long term, it's the Ravens and the Steelers, and they have those nasty. Now, that
0: could backfire, too. The Bengals had some guys that were crazy like that. Perfect. A, perfect. Uh, yeah, Montez Burford yeah, perfect. was perfect. a guy that could go the wrong Jones. way.
4: I thought James Harrison at times could take it the wrong he way, too. He went too far sometimes, yeah. yeah. But I think T. But- Bush's point, I think our overall point here is, yeah. if you look at long-term the teams that have sustained success in this division, it is a black and blue division. It's a lot, a lot it like is. the old NFC Central. You you have to have those guys. The other three teams
0: in this division have those guys. It might even be some names that the average Browns fan... If, if you talking about the Ravens the Bengals the Steelers don't even know necessarily like probably a lot of our fans because they're diehards know the but like it doesn't even have to be the best player on the other team as long as it's a good player but you got to have a few guys that are mean and nasty and even borderline dirty not dirty but like close to that line push the line that yeah, yeah that are they're ass kickers
3: and we, we talked about well we haven't talked about this before we, we talked about Demar Hamlin a lot. Um, People forget he didn't that wasn't caused by him hitting somebody. It was T Higgins bringing it to him playing physical as a receiver, right? You look at the way even their skill positions play and I'd even say Joe Burrow walks around like he's like, I'm not afraid to get Lamar Jackson. Those guys all have a certain moxie, a certain attitude. And for me, the Cleveland Browns until they want to be on that same playing field, they gotta get guys that they, they can
4: go out there and say, Oh, we got a couple of those dudes that's not gonna have that. Do you think that because we don't know, they don't tell us. Do you think that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski realize this? I think we'll find out be, by what, by who they go get by the who, who season.
1: they go get this offseason, by who they target the draft, and by who the defensive coordinator is. Because Brian Flores is exactly what you're they talking need, about. He's yes. an ass yes. kicker. He yes. He's a he's a red ass. And I said I think before the show. That's a guy who went and burned down your building and said, I'm going to work here anyway while I'm
4: burning it I down. I love it. It's amazing. I will, just I give too. me that guy. I do, guy. too. He's a <laughs> renegade. And who's, who's the front runner in your mind?
1: It, I, I, this is strictly a guess. I have no yeah. idea. I think it's Schwartz or Flores most likely. Yeah. Now, the problem that I think they could run into is guys who are in demand. Brian Flores is going to be in demand.
4: He'll have offers.
1: He's going to have other Multiple. offers. Why would you come here if you can have – a Better opportunity elsewhere, and I, you know, we had this discussion. I think you could look at it both ways. Well, Number Miles one, Garrett's a
4: big hook,
1: sure, he's a big hook. Yeah. But if you're gonna get blown out anyway, if you're coming here thinking the coach is on the hot seat, you may get fired again in six months. Why would you leave where you're at? Why would you leave a situation well, like Pittsburgh where a year from now he could be the DC? You know, what's oh,
4: yeah, I thought about that yesterday because we discussed yeah. that. I'll tell you why because maybe he's the next head coach,
1: possibly, but and and, and now that's another. Because again, like this is serious. What he's alleging the NFL and what he's taking them to court for? Very serious. I think he could be a coordinator. I don't know if he'll ever be a head coach.
0: Yeah, I, listen. I, the one of all the terrible things about having Jimmy Haslam as owner, the one thing you can't complain about, maybe the only thing, is that he is not unwilling to spend money. And he is. I, he is and he and, is and if I'm unwilling. him, and I decide, and they decide Flores is the guy, and I think Flores is the best choice personally. I'm telling you, I'm going to Brian Flores and say the league screwed you over. We're
3: going to pay you. And, How much do you want to be? And, of the Hey, you want to draft who you want to draft? Oh, by the way, we just gave Joe Woods all the, uh, all the ability to pick his guys. What do you want? We, yeah. we, we got, we're going to open the pantry up. We're going to pay you what you want. And guess what? We'll guarantee that you will get an opportunity and to be a hate. I, you I, know I, I said,
0: throw the title of associate head coach out there. Too. And Plus, you know, it, you know, some of us have complained about it, but you could say Brian Flores, you're the head coach of the defense. Yeah, it's, it's that is. simple. Kevin Stefanski no. will to let you do your thing. Well, yeah. Stefanski, at least for the optics of it, he yeah. doesn't <laughs> seem to be very involved with the defense
4: anyhow.
3: And he kind of said that in the press conference too. Hey, look, I got guys to do that. Like I trust he said, my guys. I
0: like. I actually like that. I know I'm in the minority opinion. I like guys that are willing to hire guys and let them do their let thing. Let them do their job, and that's fine. Well, okay, it doesn't mean you shouldn't oversee.
4: But but if that's true, let the offensive coordinator do his job. Well.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: But he... That's fair.
4: Yeah, ooh. I like your thinking on that.
0: But I do do think in the end, if Kevin Smith is not calling the plays, then... I don't know what the point uh, of him is being
4: head coach. Aditi Kinkabuala is with us. Aditi, oh. kind of the chord that we struck here is that um, th- there's if you if you look at the six best players, or at least the named players on the, on the Browns team, Chubb and Garrett and Watson and Betonio and Ward. Denzel Ward and Amari uh, Cooper, they're all kind of the same personality type. They're not boisterous. They're not, you know, they're not huge yellers and screamers, they're all kind of that same guy. And Stefanski, the same thing. You know, Not that he doesn't have his moments, but you never see this fire and brimstone that we talked about this division is notorious for. The Steelers and the Ravens, who have had the most success, have always had those guys, those those energetic, Ray Lewis, uh, James Harrison-type guys. Do do you think that this is a, a construction problem, a roster construction problem, that one of your best players isn't that guy, and they, they sort of do have that
5: void on the field? I think that you hit the nail on the head, and it's not always fire and brimstone, okay? You don't always have to be screaming. You don't always have to be F-bombing people, but it is that personality, not just the play, but the personality that demands everybody raise their level and everybody play, at a better, more focused level. It's exactly the conversation we all had exactly a week ago about TJ Watt. And I told you, TJ's not like a particularly loud, boisterous, outgoing guy. You're in that Steelers locker room Monday through Friday. He's not the one that's cutting it up and playing the music and doing all of that. But on Sunday, on that field, the way that he rallies people, the way that he talks to his teammates, the way that he demands excellence, It's very different than anybody I know on the Browns. It just is. And this is something that we've talked about with Miles Garrett forever. It's not a knock on Miles Garrett, it's who Miles is. Miles can't pretend to be somebody else. You have to be your authentic self. It's just not who he is. So I do think that there is a piece of that, that you do need someone like that. And look, Joel Petonio and I had this conversation and I know I shared it with you before that Christmas Eve game. That Kevin Stefanski, who's one of his most magical traits, is that he is level, that he is even, that he doesn't freak the heck out. And this is what we say about all great coaches. When Doug Peterson's Jaguars team was at two and six, he got that team to where it is in the playoffs and won the division is by being level, by not freaking out, by not panicking. Mike Tomlin, that team was two and six. He also said, we are going to continue to work. We're not going to rip everything up. Being level is a good thing. But Joel did tell me before that Christmas Eve game that this year, Kevin is showing a little bit more fire, a little bit more personality. I mean, if you guys remember, I think Adam remembers this. A couple years ago, I remember asking Kevin, like, do you yell at your kids do you ever get upset because <laughs> his personality seems so flatline. and kevin like kind of laughed and said well i'll leave that for them to answer and you know people were telling me oh i've seen him like shove a chair in his office and oh yeah he's raised his voice but no one ever publicly saw that right. and so joel said this year there's been a little bit more of that that kevin has revealed a little bit more of that and i think that that's part of being a coach is knowing Okay, this is what my team needs here. This is what my team needs there. It's it's why Kevin Stefanski moved his office this year. He created a second office downstairs outside the locker room because the way that building was set up, his office was upstairs kind of in a corner. He wanted to make sure that he saw everybody when they walked in in the morning. Now they walk by that ancillary office that he has into the locker room. So it's having a better pulse on the team. But again, Kevin can only do so much. His personality is his personality. Yeah, to you your know, point like, earlier. I was joking with him about when he goes to a basketball game for his kids, is he one of those parents that yells from the stands? Because full disclosure, at my son's flag football game and at my son's soccer game, I'm the parent that yells from the <laughs> sidelines. I'm the one that my husband says, shut up, stop talking. But Kevin was like, no, that's just not who he is. So- See? To your point, Jay, I agree. I do think that you need someone back there that is. And by back there, I mean someone, someone in the building, someone in the locker room. Well, defensive is coordinator is the guy right? guy, right? Yeah.
0: And before I'm we, sorry,
5: get,
0: yeah, and defensive. Jay was saying defensive coordinator is right. Before we get to Brian Flores, first of all. Ah, uh, the big news of the day is that Dee Dee is admitting she's an obnoxious parent at, at sporting events. <laughs> no, no, no,
5: no! Hey, this is my professional opinion. Those kids should want my professional opinion. He has, he has, my seven-year-old son has begged me to coach his flag football
0: team. Good, then do Watch it. That. You, I, I want to see. So you run on the, I want to. S-
5: kid doesn't mind. If the kid doesn't mind, then, then my husband. Good.
0: Down. <laughs> Tell your husband to shut up. Uh, you, you need and to answer his phone. I want. Yeah, and answer his <laughs> phone. I need to. We want to see you run on the field, grab the ref by his collar,
5: get, get him, no, in, no, get him no. in line.
0: No, uh, having it,
5: respect, having respect for everybody in the game. That's certainly something that I really feel strongly about but well, I mean sir, if you've sir, got right. a professional educated I, opinion it. on the way that you track the quarterback why yeah. would you not share it <laughs> all
0: right well listen we I I got you know the Steelers <laughs> yeah. have officially again huh. made me look stupid I have to eat eat the losses here along with a lot of pizzas uh for the Browns or for the Steelers finishing over 500 yet again mm. I will give you one more chance to do a victory lap on my bad prediction grave please do it Please do it. But what, what is
5: there to do? Like, I just don't. I, You know, to me, it's sort yeah. of like, it, this is also part of this. Like, okay, all hail mediocrity. You know? Like, yeah, right. All right. The Steelers, 19 years in a row, have been 500 or better. Okay, well, you know what? In those 19 years, they have exactly 13 playoff wins. Okay, you know, in those 19 years, they have two Super Bowl wins. I guarantee you, Mike Tomlin would rather have had a losing year and an extra ring. You know like it's just to me it's that so That sounds very greedy
0: though Aditi. very greedy. That's that's very greedy. You've, uh, two Super Bowl rings uh We've had three playoff wins, three playoff games. Yeah, can we cash in 20 of our losing seasons? (laughs) The Browns have had one playoff win in, like, 30 years.
5: (laughs) Okay, but you know what? You play the game to win those trophies. That's true. Like, that's why you play. And it's funny because Steelers fans got so angry at me. This week I tweeted something. I mean, they're always angry at me, let's be honest. But anyway, I tweeted something about um, – I said, you know, the Steelers – for the nineteenth consecutive year have finished five hundred or better. That ties the Patriots for second all time in NFL history. And then I said in those nineteen years, the Steelers this. have won thirteen playoff games and won two Super Bowls. The Patriots in their nineteen years won thirty playoff games and oh. six Super Bowls. Ouch. Okay. I didn't make any commentary. I didn't oh. offer any opinion. Just the I facts. just simply added to the facts. Like Here's the facts, and here's an additional fact that may or may not be interesting to somebody. You may find context in it. You may not. Whatever. There's the fact. And everybody starts screaming about my bias and this and that. But to me, oh my God. the first is a 19-year run. And I don't care. Like, I don't care about what was the AFC East at that time. Whatever. You play who's on your schedule, okay? Yeah. And part of being dominant is that's how good you are, all right? But anyway, to me, it's like if in 19 years you won six Super Bowls, well, damn, that is really impressive. That is speaking to a high level of excellence. In 19 years, if you were never below 500, great. Okay, but what do you have to show for it? Like, what do you really have to show for it?
4: It shows that you're Outside among the best every yeah. year. You know,
5: in the last six years, it's just, it's in the They've last six nothing. years. The Steelers but Aditi, have won zero playoff really, games.
4: Aditi, though, in defense of, of the Steelers and how they may look at this, The bar that you are comparing them to is unprecedented. Nine in 16 years. only Does any other franchise have six? Or six in 19? They've got six in 19 years. Has any other franchise even won six going back to 52 years?
5: Why should the standard be any lower? The Steelers are a team that won four in a decade. Understandable, but... You know what? You asked this question. No, not you. I think G. I'm sorry. Was it G? G or Mike asked me the question a week ago about the browns and their standards and do browns fans just have much lower standards. Yes. Yeah. Well, is that you G?
3: Yes. Yeah. And they do. Okay.
5: Well, let's be honest. You know what? It's if I was aesthetically low. Listen, I was an A student. I I was an A student all through elementary school. So when I I was an A plus student through elementary school, I'd come home with a 98 and my dad would say, what happened to the other two points? My brother, who, by the way, is brilliant and a Wharton grad and made a million dollars before he ever should have all of those things, was not an A student. So he would come home from elementary school with a whatever, 91, and my parents would say, great job. You know, like you have different expectations based on the standards that have been set. The Steelers repeatedly say that they are one of the best franchises in the NFL, which they are, okay? They are. The way that they run things, the way that they do business, their commitment to their head coaches, their commitment to a lot of things, they hold themselves to a different standard than just about anybody else. You can't hold yourself to that standard and then turn around and be like, oh, yay, we didn't have a losing season. (laughs) No, your standard is to win those trophies. And Mike Tomlin is the one who will tell you that. Mike Tomlin yesterday didn't want to answer a single question, didn't want to make a single decision, didn't want to make a single statement On his staff, which, by the way, I thought was really interesting. As a random aside, the Browns immediately made a decision on Kevin Stavansky's staff. The Titans immediately made a decision on Mike Rabel's staff. And Mike Tomlin was asked about his staff, and he said, we were so singularly focused on winning this game I couldn't even step back and think about any of those other things. My 100% effort was winning Sunday against the Browns. And part of me was like, is that a knock on the Titans who couldn't win their last game? Is that a knock on the Browns who couldn't win their last game? Yep. Like, just be focused on what's in front of yeah, you. Yeah, the task at and hand. And step back and do the assessment. I'm good with that.
4: There's plenty of time to figure out your coaching staff. you you got you to win the task at hand. You know, you mentioned Doug Peterson, and I love this. During their game, which was essentially a playoff game, against Tennessee, they talked during the broadcast about how after week eight, when they were two and six, Doug Peterson went into the locker room and addressed the team and said, guys, mark my words. It doesn't look like it from where you sit now. This season is coming down to our last game against Tennessee, which is just remarkable to me that at two and six, I know you're trying to keep your guys up, but you don't say that to a group of grown men unless you firmly believe it And it's almost like he willed that into existence and they took their last game as seriously as anybody, maybe, but Detroit. I I was, I marveled at what Detroit did in their last game, but I give a lot of kudos to Doug Peterson for that turnaround and walking into that locker room at the halfway point and say, guys, it's going to come down to the last week of the season.
5: Okay, I was there that week. I was there when they finally stemmed the tie, stemmed that, you know, bleeding and they beat the Raiders. And here's what Doug Peterson did on Wednesday. So I was with the Jaguars actually a ton this season in fact i messaged I'll, i'm doing westwood one this weekend jason McCordy, the brilliant jason McCordy, who of course was in your city is on the call for oh, westwood great. one for the Jags game and i actually texted him last night and said hey i was on the sideline for the Jags five or six times this season i feel really strongly about how well i know that team
2: mm-hmm.
5: if you want me, let's talk this week so that week i was there and on wednesday doug peterson goes to his team and he tells the story of Nehemiah from the Bible. And it was Nehemiah who, of course, got everyone to build the wall around Jerusalem. And the way he did is he told every family, this is your part of the wall. Don't worry about this side of the wall. Don't worry about that side of the wall. You build this part of the wall. Every family did their part and the wall was built around Jerusalem. And it was basically creating an analogy for his players. Stop worrying about anybody else. Do your job and we will be fine. And he has a talented, he walked into a very, very talented young team. He and Trent Baalke upped the talent by going out and getting a receiver like Christian Kirk, a tight end like Evan Ingram. They improved what they had, drafting Tavon Walker. But this was a team that absolutely had PTSD. You walk in that building a year ago and it was like a war zone. And this is why to me, he's the coach of the year, because not only did he get everybody playing better, but he completely upended a culture. These were players that were constantly afraid. They played tight and nervous. They were walking on eggshells. And now here they are at two and six and Josh Allen just told me this, the, as my son calls him, the other Josh Allen, the pass rushing Josh Allen said to me a week ago, he said, we were at two and six, and he didn't attack anybody. He didn't attack any coaches, he didn't attack any players. He just said, let's just keep working. And that is a huge difference from a year ago of what that team had. Marvin Jones told me earlier this year, Doug Peterson taught these guys how to be professional. Here's another great story I never got to tell about Doug Peterson. In the preseason, he actually put together a slideshow of what players should and should not wear on a plane. He said, we are professionals. These are business trips. So before week one of the season, he took photos of all the players in their preseason games as they're coming into the stadium on their own planes and what to wear, what not to wear, what to wear, what not to wear. Marvin Jones, again, one of the great professionals in the league, told me something as simple as that. You needed to teach these guys how to come to work. You needed to teach these guys how serious to take what they're doing, how seriously to take what they're doing. And of course, a team that has never won before needs to learn how to win. Doug knew that they had all those pieces. Doug knew that they could play great. But this is the process. I mean, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, look who he was when I had him week 17 was completely different than who he was when I had him week five. He's way more vocal on the sideline. He's way more about rallying his teammates because he has so much more confidence in what he's doing. He's talking to Doug Peterson and Press Taylor so much more about what he wants to do because he's got more confidence in the way that he's playing. I didn't mean to hijack this into a Jaguars conversation, but I'm just trying to say that really good coaching and really confident players are tangible things if you know what you're looking for you'll see it and when you look at the browns this year it's not that they don't have the pieces but there is one little something sometimes it's just one little something that needs to turn it on and i think with the jaguars that's what you saw you know you bring in a doug peterson not that i'm saying the browns is about the head coach but sometimes it's just something and the same guys can give you a completely different result. Uh, the really, same guys can respond uh, not, to a situation time, completely differently.
0: Sorry to cut you off, but I want to get Jason's yeah. question because we got to get to Bernard. Yeah, we
1: only got about a minute, so you got to be quick on this. But Brian Flores okay. is the guy that I want uh, for mm-hmm. the Browns as DC. Is there anything Pittsburgh can do to keep him? Do you think he would take the Cleveland job? And I'm I'm wondering if one of the problems Kevin's going to run into is sort of the hot seat coach next year. Are you going to get the guys that you want? on your staff when you sort of enter the season with that label. Just what do you think about Brian as a DC next year? Do you think you'd have any interest in coming here?
5: I know that the players in Pittsburgh love him, that they respond to him extremely well as a defensive coach. I think he's got a great mind. I believe that he's learned a lot from his experience in Miami about leading and leadership. Um, I think that he would be a great move and I don't think that Mike Tomlin, even if it's going to another team in the division, in Pittsburgh, you're not calling the defense. Mike Tomlin is calling the defense. I think Terrell Austin would be another tremendous hire. Terrell Austin is the defensive coordinator in name in Pittsburgh, but he's not calling the defense. So I think he would go somewhere where he got to call the defense. I think Brian Flores would go somewhere where he got to call the defense. And I, I, don't, I think that Kevin Stefanski is confident enough in who he is. You know, it, this no. is like the quarterback who transfers because he doesn't want to compete with somebody else in college. No, just win the job. You know, like Kevin Stefanski should not be sitting here and say, I'm afraid to bring in a strong coach because what if he threatens me? Kevin Stefanski's mindset is, well, I'm going to go win 14 or 15 games next year. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Ego's not a problem. This stuff is nonsense.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. I meant meant the other side. Would a coach want to come here if the head coach is on a hot seat and everyone could get blown out of the building in six months anyway?
5: No, because I think the coach should have enough confidence in himself that, well, I'm going to help that team be better. Anybody who looks at this roster, looks at who is under contract with this roster and sees the way the Haslams are not afraid to spend money. And one more thing that I'll say, Sean Payton was asked about getting back in the coaching. And he said the things that would matter to him the most are not the roster and the quarterback, but it is what ownership has shown recently, what is ownership, and what is the brain trust. I don't know how anybody could talk to Andrew Barry and not think that there is stability and a smart mind and a brain there. So I think a strong coach would say, I could be the missing piece. I'm the one that could help turn these things around. I'm the one that could make this when defense great. Boxing, Look yeah. at Wink Martindale. You're bringing Bernard Pollard on. Look at what Wink Martindale did. He left <laughs> baltimore feeling like okay i've done what i can do here it's time for me to go someplace else what is wink done with that giants defense
0: right mm. yeah yeah great a job often
5: and strong coach has faith in himself and believes that he can be a huge part of the puzzle he's not thinking that he's going to a place where a head coach is getting fired right. he's sure. thinking that he's going to a place where he's going to help make that franchise better
4: yeah i can be the difference adidi <laughs> great to stuff Deedee. we'll see you great later great stuff thank Thanks, you very guys. much
5: all right we'll talk, talk soon um, you know, we
4: talk about the, the other teams in the division. Historically, the Steelers and the Ravens have had this success. One of the alpha dogs on a Ravens team that won a Super Bowl, Bernard Pollard, joins us now on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Bernard, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, I'm going to let G sort of bring uh, introduce you and really talk about how this appearance uh, came to be and, and uh, what you're here to talk about.
3: Yeah, man, it's, it was crazy. You know, uh, we've been... Um, contacted by a lot of individuals. You were one of the first ones to retweet. Um, I guess I wouldn't call it a rant. I would just call it more of a uh, passionately describing um, what I was upset about. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, uh, Bernard was one of the first people to actually um, almost co-sign that and talk a little bit um, about and co-sign what I was saying because he he, obviously is a former player uh, involved in the league so much. And I think what what happened was it was so much groundswell because of the fact that these are professional players and they are they've lived it they've breathed it and they um, you know this was something that uh, I think a lot of people thought about. I just happened to be one person who, who said it and it just caught fire. So Bernard, thank you so much for coming on to the show, um, talking about your experience and, and talking about what you you've gone through in terms of that. Um, when when I did when I said what I said. Um, are there any NFL players that are saying that and behind closed doors? Or is that just something that people keep to themselves where it's just like they, they understand what it is, but you know, they don't say anything? I think, you know, one of the big things and and, and man, I I appreciate you uh for you know expressing um expressing yourself and and, and being, I don't want to say vulnerable, but being vocal. Um you know, I was laughing uh, after the fact because I was like, man, he got it looked like you had some balled up homework paper spitting facts. <laughs> <It was>. uh, <laughs> so, so it was I mean, it was hilarious, um, you know, laughing at that. But I think, you know, so many people need to hear those important things. And, I, I you know, and, and, and if you look at it, you know, after the fact, you know, and, and, and nothing against the Buffalo Bills or whatever it may be. But, you know, what they did as far as with his, his contract, um, if the, the news is is, is uh, true, uh, what they did with his contract and how they, you know, settled and, and made that thing uh, possible for him to still continue to earn his money, um, you know, that's big. Uh, but, you know, once again, I, I think so many people, fans, and um, the high-dollar players on teams, they don't look at, you know, players – like that um, um, without the injury and everything that we've been discussing and seeing the last couple of weeks, but they don't look at these players and think about afterlife. They don't think about that next chapter of life for the athlete.
0: Bernard, by the way, you may not know, but G, G played high level college football he played yeah. at Ohio. He sacked Ben Roethlisberger, this man right here.
3: <laughs> he sacked Ben Roethlisberger in college. This is the highlight. He he, he does it. You bring that up more than I do. Yeah. I'll, I'll take you. you can That's be my a good – ac- I mean, you sacked
0: Ben Roethlisberger. We all hate Ben Roethlisberger here, and you kicked his ass yeah. in
3: college. I haven't got the best of us a, yeah, a lot yeah. of times. I, I will say that. It, <laughs> he, it was pretty good. Hey, and
4: Bernard, speak- uh, yeah. back to uh, what G said. There's been a lot of discussion after his monologue – took fire, and and a lot of people saw it. On one side, there were a lot of folks saying, hey, uh, if if the players don't like this, uh, they can look to their own vote when they ratified the CBA. How much of that holds water to you? Because obviously, you're never going to get 100% agreement. There were a lot of players that didn't want to put their name to that, but the fact of the matter is, that's the playing field, and they were at the table for the negotiations that set that up. What we want to focus on is how this thing gets fixed, because I think it's clear that there are things that are broken. In your mind, being a former player, and Dequell Jackson, the former Brown, was on with us last week, and he said one of the things that desperately has to happen is there needs to be a sort of consultation group, uh, an advisory board made up of former players that Mm. can sit in the negotiations with the current player reps and tell these guys about some of the pitfalls that they don't know are coming in the afterlife. Do you do you co-sign DeQuell's sort of suggestion of that? And how do we get this to a place where we're, we're more equitable?
3: Well, I, I, I definitely I definitely co-sign that. And and I was one of the ones I was a part of the uh the, the, the PA uh when, when I played and and they did not like uh they did not like me, they did not like my input. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things where I was telling them all the time, you know, first and foremost, you know, the bulk of the team isn't you know voting yes and why would we vote yes to this you know um if you look at a lot of the the cba uh, discussions and and things of that nature you know they're made up of guys that have big contracts that's what yeah. they're made up of yeah. those guys like that's you know i'm one of the i'm one of the ones where i've always said The bulk of a football team, if you look at 70 to 80 percent of a football team, they're made up of those one, two, three year contracts, eight, nine million dollars. If that, why are we not guaranteeing that contract? The contract where you or the the, when you're looking at the NFLPA and and guys that are are representing the, the football clubs, you know, they are big contract guys, your quarterbacks. $100 Hundred million dollar guys, $80, $90 million guys, defensive ends, $90 million guys, linebackers, receivers, $80, $70 million guys. Those dudes aren't like, if they just go be stupid, you know, then, you know, they're going to kind of face some of the stuff that other guys are going to face. But most of these guys aren't going to see the 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 longevity that they've seen. They're not going to see the financial growth in the game that they've seen uh in the National Football League. So, you know, I I do believe and 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 they did not like what i said how i said it and i don't care you know i i, I truly believe what DeQuell said was it's, it's very true um, we need to have former players because these young guys i'm not i don't want to sit here and come down on, on on them because we've lived that life we understood it i want them to have fun i want them to be professional i want them to be um i want them to be cognizant on on what's going to potentially happen to them after their 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 life of football is done, because that window is small. That window it, it closes every single year. Right. So they need to understand what they're going to face. So former players mm-hmm. do need to be on that. The NFLPA they, they don't do a great job representing the players, and they and 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 it's smoke and mirrors with them with the mm-hmm. bullcrap that they pull in 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 the. Um, as far as in the media and everything else, I just, I don't agree with a lot of it. I think it needs to be fixed. It's broken and it's terribly broken. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And the NFL is running away with everything. And 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 as far as with, you know, the, the representation, as far as from the NFLPA side of it, the guys that are sitting in the office, that stuff, it needs to be done and it needs to be done right. Um, I think the players are at a disadvantage and they're taking advantage of the players and they've been taking advantage of the players for a mm-hmm. long time. Bernard, I, I'm
0: curious, uh, on, a, on an unrelated note, uh, well, Dequell Jackson, by the way, in, in addition to saying, talking about the stuff with, he also said, he, even though he didn't know you personally, he said he respected you a lot, because he said you were one of the few guys in the league that hit harder than he did. <laughs>
3: Is that true? Did you hit harder than he did? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I brought that bang bang, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Hey, I, I tell people all the time. Yeah. I might not have uh, you. You ain't got to give me credit. You know. You don't got to give me credit. All, all you you got to call me champ number one. And mm. what I look to do when I when I made it when I played football, I just look to make people fear me. That's all. I – That's your I nickname love playing was the game. Bone Crusher. right. I mean,
0: but let me ask you this: when you played, when you were at the Ravens, I know you played for four different teams, but when you were with the Ravens. Like, obviously, there's been different rivalry mixes in this division. But for the most part, for the last 20 years, the Browns have been awful. The Bengals, until the last two years, have been either mediocre or awful. The Steelers and Ravens have been good. Was it, even though division games are all, in this division, kick-ass games, was it, no. it was it totally different playing the Steelers versus playing the
3: Bengals versus playing the Browns? I'm going to be honest with you. I think I – think- they hype up the Steelers Ravens and, and, and it was, it, everybody in Baltimore hates, they hate, hate, hate the Steelers. I I, I understand it for me, the <laughs> hardest games were the Browns. And, and, and I say that with, wow. all, with I, I, I'm telling you right now, the Browns, you look at the, the uh, Josh Cribs, you look at uh, the Peyton Hillis, you look at all, like all for me, that was where I was like, yo, all right, my massage chair has got to come. I need to get in the cold tub, hot tub. I know what I'm about to face. It's This is going to be, you know, with, with the Steelers, I mean, you know, for me as a player, I mean, their, their receivers weren't really whatever. I mean, they were good receivers, but they were smaller. So, you know, you flick them, they go on flying out of bounds. You know, I had I had the biggest problem with the Browns as far as matchup-wise. Wow. but When you look at – with the city and everything else and what's what's being pushed out there uh to the media it's one of those things where pittsburgh and ravens which is a rivalry but for me i thought the browns was that game for me it, when i was in baltimore i loved playing that game if i remember correctly we played we played at night in baltimore one time we played um in cleveland at night time, t- both of night games it was a crazy game a lot of fun. Uh, I had more fun playing Cleveland than I had uh, playing Pittsburgh. Wow, but let me let me ask you two questions. Um, I asked the quote the same question because you know, there's a lot of people, you know, when I said what I said, there's people that are like, well, is that really accurate? Is that really true? Maybe it, it can't be that bad. So I, I just asked the players that, that sit in front of me. If today you started seeing symptoms of either CTE or started seeing symptoms of something that was really major and you became disabled. How hard would it be for you to submit a disability claim? What would you have to go through in that? And um, also to your insurance as a former player um, when you're done playing. Can you tell me about your journey with insurance and how you go about insuring yourself after your playing career? So uh, when when the question about the disability um, you know I think I, I I think I would I've talked to a lot of former players a, guy, a guys that I went to college with that played in the league and uh, one guy I know for sure has been approved of um, uh, total disability um, and he's receiving uh, checks for that and and, and he's not um, I can he's not right. Um, and, and, and and he should be receiving the checks. Um, there have been guys that have, you know uh, wrongfully um, filed for disability and got it and, and some have been denied. but there have been guys who need it and that have been denied. Um, so we always know someone who can find a loophole and everything else and try to get things and, 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 but uh, you know, I, I, I really do. I, I think I would. Um, if I was at that point, um, it is hard because I have, like I said, I've, I've, I've had teammates where former teammates and, and, and guys I played with in college that they've been denied every single time. And they're trying to hire a lawyer, then get another lawyer, then get another lawyer, and they're being denied. And, and the NFL is a part of a lot of this. Uh, I want people to understand how powerful uh, the NFL is. The NFL is behind so much. And that's why they try to keep a lot away from fans, a lot away from other people who potentially if you if you um, tickle the ears and, and if you allow them to to be woke in a sense, you know, um, that that's going to turn a lot of people away. The game of football is a game of football. I will play this game again, over and over again, because this is the decision that I made. Um, I love this game. I love the game. I love this game to this day. I love this game. This game has done things for me and my family. i um, I know what can happen to me. I know what can happen to others and we all know. So for so many people to say, well, the players knew, yeah, the players knew, right? But I think when you look at, when you look at the, the other side of it, the NFL kept a lot of things back from certain players when when it came to medical and when it came to certain things. And that's why lawsuits and things of that nature were filed, because the NFL kept that information back from players and they let them go about it. I'll tell you, I'll tell uh, people this right now uh, for me, if something happened to me, I have insurance right but i still go off of some of the nfl insurance so if something happened to me right now and i just fall out right now as we're talking you guys wouldn't be able to call an ambulance for me we literally got to call the nfl number for them to contact for for and then you got to talk to them tell them everything that's happening they got to go discuss it and then they'd say okay yes we'll pay for the ambulance to get him to go wherever now, wow. all of that time, I needed an ambulance, right? If if, if So that's the crazy part about it. And, and there's so many things that I can go in um, with that. Now, when you, we talk about the insurance, after the five years is, is done, yes, you are off Cigna. You have got to go find your insur- insurance. We have four kids. I have my wife and me. So it's six of us, right? So the insurance... We don't know. Football players, most football players don't understand the real world, right? We, we play football for a living. We don't understand working jobs where we're insured and all this other stuff and, and all We gotta go learn that. And um, I don't think enough is done. I don't wanna bring the hammer down on the NFL with this, but I think this is workshops that they can provide for players that are in the league and players that are in the league need to understand. You need to know how to go about doing that. My wife does a great job. She she looked at everything and figured out all this different stuff for us to be able to have, you know, eye, um, you know, as far as dental and as far as all this other stuff. Because as we learned, like, everything's not under one umbrella. You got to go figure out all this different stuff. And that stuff piles up. And so, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, like I said, it's broken. It's broken to completely take a player from, you sweep the rug from under them when he's done and you say, well, you got a certain amount of time to go do this and you're completely cut off. And if anything happens, you call us, we'll contact you and set up appointments mm-hmm. while you're still just living like hell. Right? Like that's just what it is.
1: Bernard, I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier about the players' association. You said you were involved in it and you, I don't i don't want to mischaracterize you, but it sounded like you said you didn't agree with the leadership of the union. Right. And, and there's been a lot of, a lot said and written about DeMarie Smith and the job he's done as union sure. president. Talk to me about that. What do you think about the job he's done? And it seems like there's been a push to get him out multiple times. How, how, do, you, how do you guarantee the contracts? Like Jay started to ask you it earlier, I think, how do you get these contracts guaranteed? Because it has to fall on the, on the union. I, I'm one of those guys that he was talking about. It's up to the union at the bargaining table because the owners aren't just going to do it
3: themselves. Well, first and foremost, you know, he's been one where, you know, he, he, he he come in, he, he talked to talk and, you know, you know, some players, you know, a lot of us talked and we saw right through the bull crap and, uh, you know, he's a guy, he's a lawyer. He knows what to say, when to say it, how to say it and who to say it to, um, you know, for, 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 for me as a player, um, you know, I, like I said, I just didn't agree with a lot. They did. They knew I didn't agree with it. Uh, a lot of players was like, "Well, Bernard, we just gotta go. We just gotta, we gotta get a vote." And, and one of the things I do not like how they do certain things. They give it to you on Thursday and say we need a vote at the end of meetings, and man, I'm looking like, crazy. "Wait a minute!
1: Wow, you, you
3: can't do that." Yeah. you cannot you, you we're looking at so much that are that's impacted right with, with with us for the next however many years and then if anything crazy happens you've given us a day or two days maybe max to make a decision for not only us but other former players that are involved and other players that are going to come into this league I don't like that. That you'll be impacted by for the
4: rest of your life.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: So, Bernard, one of the things that we talked about was the calendar, because I think it was DeQuell talked about that, too. He said that oftentimes when these proposals are are made and these, these agreements are going on, they're so busy with training camp and everything else. Yeah. Why don't we just start by flipping the calendar? Because the league yep. wants to put the players in a situation. I know they do. But one of the things that rush. I think the NFLPA should yeah. insist upon is the termination date of the next agreement should Agreed. be February, not mm-hmm. August. This way, you don't have to worry about a strike either in the middle of the season. Then you've got six or seven months when the players aren't busy working on getting ready for a season or the next game, they can spend the proper amount of time and they can talk to a, an advisory board made up of former players that can tell them what you just said. Guys, five years from now, life's going to smack you square in the face. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'm really, I want to focus in on, and this is mind-boggling to me because I've had other players tell me the exact same thing you did although the league is made up primarily of the one- to two- to three-year contract guys who make far less than your average superstars are making, they're the majority, yet somehow their voices are squelched in these negotiations and votes by the halves, by the few that are set for life, no matter how much money. You know, they don't need to worry about $5,000 a month insurance premiums because they're making $100 million over the course of their career. How do we make sure that we have appropriate representation from the, the majority of the players and make sure that their needs are met, not the needs of the superstars and the powerful player reps who sometimes might put pressure on everybody to vote a certain way?
3: Well, I think that that, that boils down to the players um, just coming together and um saying we're not going to do this we need to get Demaris uh, Marie Smith out we need to get you know somebody in that's going to represent us and truly represent us um you know that's that's what it's going to take but i i think when you when you guys look at this game um, you guys see it but you know for for a, a player that's been in that locker room and, and and in those locker rooms and understand it you know the NFL has done a great job as far as putting players and I, i'm going to say this in a sense, at odds, right? You know, the quarter—you don't really hear big-name quarterbacks stepping up and speaking up for the players. Why? Never. They're set, $150, 200 two hundred million-dollar co- uh, contracts, half a, a billion-dollar contract. What are those guys going to talk for? You know what I mean? Like, what are they going to speak out for? Um, because they're set. Now, when you look at the, the now, you look go to the next level. So, for your receivers, top-paid receivers, top-paid DBs, top-paid running backs, or linemen those guys really you know they still are part of the clique but at the same time they're looking like I- I'm set while you got the majority that's looking like wait y'all I'm being looked over what 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 about me because those guys are sticking together because they don't know what is t- what's tomorrow for me what is tomorrow you know yeah. I can be gone I don't I mean nothing to them it's a revolving door for guys like us. So you know the league has done a great job as far as separating those players. Just look at it. look at all of the negotiations. look at everything that's happened. look at the lockout in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. look at all of that. what superstar quarterback stepped up they but never they did. were uh, they right. were proud of being the face of the NFL. they yeah. were proud of being on them commercials. They were proud of all of that. but when it came down to stepping up for so so-called their guys, Uh, This is a brotherhood. Well, yeah, it's a brotherhood, so let's step up. You got your money. Let's get ours. Okay.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
3: The, the 53rd man on the roster might not make $150 million. Well, let's figure out how we can make his life a little bit better when he step in. Because that's going to make the, uh, the NFL and these clubs be a little bit more respectful to them, right? Yeah. I'm just not gonna cut him because his contract is guaranteed. Now if if, if we do cut him, hey now it's time for him to double dip. That's the decision that we made. You're doing it with these coaches. You're doing that's it with right. coaches? That's that's true why not do it with players? Yeah. yeah. And they're making some players are still making far less than coaches. So that goes back to us talking about the guaranteed money. Like we need to make these contracts guaranteed, get somebody in that's going to fight for that. Bring former players in and surround them around guys like DeMarie Smith, uh, if, if we can't get him out, which we can, if we wanted to, we can get him out. If you, if, if you talking about taking a stand, you, you, we, nothing against this. Cause Lord knows we don't want to see situations like this, but everybody wearing three, Everybody rallying around three. Everybody praying for three. Everybody circling in the middle for three. We got the whole world praying that ain't prayed before. We doing all of this. Why can't we step up and do this for these contracts for the for the product that's on the field?
0: That's right. Why can't we do that? Football players. it's fo- crazy. Football is the biggest sport, and yet basketball players and baseball players do much better. Um, and physical, and, from, a physical and standpoint, standpoint, from a physical standpoint, no athlete and, and puts a their foot, body at risk more than an NFL
4: yeah, player. Yeah, I mean, the,
0: an average baseball player and an average basketball I'm not talking about the stars, the average baseball player, the average basketball player is making way much more money than the average football player. It's it, it's crazy. But I think, Bernard, I think you nailed it. Like, these, the star young, young quarterbacks, Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert and Allen, they could change the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Though, yeah. If those young quarterbacks, Lamar, all these guys, if they stood together and said, not only are we getting guaranteed contracts, I'm bringing, because I can't, I, I understand why the 53rd man doesn't want to walk out on the picket line. Because if the 53rd man is on the picket line, he's never getting any money because he's out of a job. Yep. It's up to the yep. stars, especially the quarterbacks to say, hey, 53rd man, I got you covered. I'm going to right. help you if you get cut, and never play in this game. But we, got, the league is, pro, the players are probably going to have to go on strike. I would say for an entire year and not break the picket line for this to happen. I, that's what I think, Bernard. Are they strong enough you. to do that, Bernard?
3: The quarterbacks no, have to uh, lead the way, but they won't. This, I do. I, I agree. Quarterbacks got to lead the way, but I, I think you know for for so many young football players. And I've said, I said this a few weeks back and, and and I'm starting to kind of pick up watching football again and I love the game, but you know, they, they, they've messed the game up so much, but but owners, they see how players live, right? Uh, management, see how players live. They know, okay, they're not going to speak up and do whatever. Why? Because they, some of these players are living check to check. So if they live in check to check, right. we know they're not going to step up that's and say anything. That's what they anything. always yep. rely on. Mm. That's right, right that's, there. That's, that's exactly right. what they rely on. Yeah. So it, it sucks, and yeah. and it's 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 hard, um, you know, because as a, a vested guy or a guy that's retired, you want they lock you out so fast, and they don't. You have no voice, and they don't want guys like that around the PA or around these young boys, because at the end of the day, they're looking like they they're going to. Tell them things that we don't want them to know. And that's the biggest thing. And so
4: that's what that's what I see. Well, why don't um, Bernard, you know, why don't you reach out to DeMora Smith? Get together with guys like DeQuell Jackson. Get a group of guys, name players like yourself and DeQuell. And you guys organize a board and you go to DeMora Smith and you say, if you have the best interest in mind of all members, not just the superstars, then why don't you take it upon yourself to create a board made up of former players so we can tell them that these guys need to know what they don't know. And they can learn that from guys that have learned it and lived it. So maybe you guys, the former players, get together and organize a wing and and you come to Smith and say, we want a seat at the table to make sure the guys playing playing the game now don't have to live certain ways like we do
3: that that's that's good and and I, I you know that's that hasn't been done and I can I can tell you guys one of the big things um and and, and I'm not the, the quell like we we really don't I, I've never passed him I played against him and I respect him he was a freaking tremendous player a great pro um you know but I think you know the problem comes in is players when they're done they move on and you know, yeah. some guys don't talk to each other. I can tell right. you right now, four teams I've played on in the nine, 10 years that I've played, I talked to maybe two to three guys, right? Wow. And that's just, you know, you, you hate to see that. You know, I mean, and it's not like we got bad blood. It's just about life happens. Life moves so on. so we, 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 right. And so we just got, we've got to do a better job, staying connected. Um, and, and, and like you
4: said, getting together and we got to do something. We're going to give you Dequel's digits. I'm sure DeQuell would love to talk to you off the air. McNuggets will give you Dequel's number and you guys, maybe that's where the spark starts. You guys come together and you start some sort of movement to get a board of former players to help these guys through the, the next negotiation. Because I believe that this is the catalyst for change. Damar Hamlin's injury will be the impetus for the league finally being held responsible. And the only people that can do that are the players and the association. I think this is what's going to foster change moving forward. And we'll get you to close digits. And, Bernard, and Bull
2: has one more question. I can, I can for set you. that up for you yeah. for sure, Bernard. yeah. I'll send you his number and email after. Bull, you got the last question. Bernard,
0: Bernard, before we let you go, this is the most important question of the day. Will you be sad when the Bengals boat race the Ravens this weekend? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Look, hey, everybody in Baltimore are mad at me, anyways. Yeah, I, I'm one of them ones where, like, I tell people all the time, the, the the Ravens aren't going to win with Lamar. They're not going to win with this this scheme that they're wow. trying wow. to. Wow, I uh, like that it, take. Okay, that's that's just what it is. Bernard's that's kind that's of a what hot take artist. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I don't mean like I just say what most people won't. and um, <laughs> I'm realist. You know, it's Baltimore's got to do a better job. Uh uh Lamar is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, But, you know, he's got to learn more at the quarterback position right now. He thinks, and they have put him in a position where he thinks he's Superman. And he's doing it all by himself. Yeah. And, you know, that's not how you win in the NFL.
4: Yeah, that's not my yeah, like point. Thanks, Bernard. Awesome. Bernard, stuff, you man. were you awesome, man. Awesome. Man. awesome. awesome. And I'm back sure anytime. we're going to reach appreciate out to you guys. in the future to have you back on. Whenever you want to come
2: back on, Bernard, we'll set that up. Thanks again, man. <laughs> All I really appreciate, appreciate it. You
3: guys. Y'all take and, it easy. and
4: down the road, I think we should follow up with the quell, too, on yeah. what happens when they get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I do think that that can really lead to change. Jason, am I being overly optimistic and, yes. and naive? Yes. I am. Yes. Tell yep. me why.
1: Yep. <laughs> They're not going to change until... The players force change. The
0: current players have to force the change. Yeah, but
1: can't the
0: past players? But will they listen? Will the current players listen? The past. To the players, I don't know. That's a
1: great question. The past man. players get marginalized more and more and more. Where do yeah. they go in negotiations? What's the first thing they cut? The retirees. Yeah. yeah. It happens in every union. Yeah. Like the because current, current guys, players don't care. I, I that that was awesome. Uh, yeah, I he love was listening to Bernard. I don't think the current players are going to give one damn what the former players say because they're only worried about their they money should. right now. By, by the I, way, I agree. They by they the way, the league that they're playing in now was built on their backs. hundred percent. But and I just don't get the impression from current guys. The young like kids just can't. They, they don't, don't care, care uh, until it's too late. They don't they, care. They, they, well they, they, they don't, then they, they
4: have no one to blame
3: but themselves. But yeah. You don't, you don't see yourself until you get older. Yeah. It's just what it is.
1: But real quick, it's to the yeah. point that he said about living check to check. We talked about this when I was so in many before. Guys do. The NBA Players Association, when they were trying to make real change and they were trying to move the BRI and everything, they were telling guys, start saving money now. And they didn't. Don't buy the third car. Don't buy the second, third house. Like, save your money now. That's the only way that you really affect change. I don't. I'm not optimistic that they will. He was strong on Demora Smith too. Oh, yeah. a lot of them feel that Horrible. way. I know they A lot do. of them, which feel is that stunning
4: way. to me. When I talk to players individually, I always ask myself, "Where the hell's the support for this guy?" I know how I is he still on the job if nobody players likes him? That come to me and say he's doing a great job. No. Gene Upshaw before him the same way. Yet somehow, it's weird. I know it's really weird. How does weird. he keep his job if nobody likes him? Go ahead. Mike. I know.